Welcome to the Wave Strength. Innovative solutions for a secure retirement. Presented by Pacific Life. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Wave Strength podcast. I'm Destiny Lara, AVP of Financial Education and Participant Experience at Pacific Life. Today in the studio, I have with me Dr. Luisa Blanco and Dr. Chi Sun. Chi, Dr. Blanco, thank you for being here today. Yeah, it's nice to be here, Destiny. Thank you so much for the invitation. Absolutely. So let's just start off by having you each talk a little bit about what you do. Um, Chi, can you tell us about your role here at Pacific Life? Yeah, sure. So hi, everyone. This is Chi. Uh, I am the financial economist with the institutional division of Pacific Life. So working with Destiny, my primary job is to conduct research to understand how to help defined contribution participants to improve their retirement security and their overall financial well-being. Thank you, Chi. And Dr. Blanco, can you share with us about your background? Yes, I am a professor of economics at Pepperdine University in the School of Public Policy. I have been working in the space of retirement preparedness uh, for the Hispanic community, conducting community-based participatory research in Los Angeles area for the last 10 years, and I'm very excited about being here with you to have this conversation. Wonderful. So last fall, Chi and I were at the DeSia Academic Forum where we saw you speak about your research on financial knowledge and retirement preparedness in the Hispanic community. And we looked at each other and we said, what a wonderful topic that would be for a podcast. And here we are today and, and thought it would really nicely align with Hispanic Heritage Month. So let's start with the, the financial knowledge gaps. I know in some of your research that you've been involved with, it's shown that the the objective financial knowledge gap between whites and Hispanics is in the range of 10 to 20 percentage points. Can you talk to us about some of the factors that contribute to that gap? Yes, I've been interested in that question uh, myself for a long time. Uh, when I was a visiting uh, a scholar with the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, I worked with two of my former students on a systematic review of the literature to look at every single paper that has been published in that area, specifically looking at the differences on objective financial knowledge between Hispanics and whites. And we review close to 600 papers, right? And when our conclusion after this journey of exploring the literature, I like to always kind of put it in the framework of what I call the social determinants of financial well-being. So when we think about this gap, um, research has shown that uh, socioeconomic characteristics related to your income, your education, uh, will explain your level of financial knowledge. And that explains some of the differences between Hispanics and, and whites. Uh, we also learned that uh, the environment uh, and institutional factors play a role. In my quantitative research using data, I have found actually that um, environmental factors matter, right? So, so again, you know, going back to the social determinants of financial well-being and financial knowledge. And what is very interesting when you look at the data is that you can use these factors to explain the difference, but there are still portions of this difference that we cannot explain with the data, which means that we still have to look into this question um, and continue trying to figure out what are, why do we have these differences and how can we address them? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. 
And I know one of the things that we think about is that financial knowledge really is like a, the basis of uh, making financial decisions and feeling confident about that, which uh, you know leads to the more complicated financial decisions that you have to make in your life, such as preparing for retirement. And so I know your the research also shows that there's gaps in retirement preparedness. So do you see the connection between the financial knowledge gaps and the retirement preparedness gaps, or is there something else at play with retirement savings? No, I, I see that there is a strong connection between um, financial knowledge and how people make decisions about retirement. I actually uh, came out with a measure, uh, the retirement financial knowledge. I created this measure in collaboration with uh, Dr. Hayes from UCLA. And we were very interested on trying to better understand, you know, uh, how people engage with information in relation to retirement preparedness, uh, how confident people feel about their knowledge on how retirement accounts work, um, how much they need to save for retirement, how well prepared they feel. And, and there is this strong connection with our measure and then also the objective measures of financial um, uh, financial knowledge. So, so we really think that when we're looking at financial planning, there is this objective knowledge that will influence your decisions, right? Uh, and you can measure that with financial, um, with the big three questions. Some of you might be, most of you can be familiar with it, but it's these questions that they will ask you about risk, interest rate, and inflation, right? But I think our measure, we also think that when we look at these decisions of retirement, we also need to understand, you know, where people are in relation to whether they have reflected on the retirement age, whether they have make a plan, um, you know, how do they engage? Are they reading material online? Are they reading material printed? Are they talking to family and friends, right? And that's what our measure tries to gouge. Mm -hmm. And we actually find that our measure and then also the objective financial measure of, um, of financial uh, knowledge are interconnected to financial outcomes that relate to retirement preparedness, such as um, the balance in your retirement account, uh, then also the probability of leaving a request of $10,000 or more. We do this using data from the health and retirement study. Yeah, I, I think today this is a bonus conversation for me because I have been trying to use that uh, financial, uh, the retirement knowledge skill for my own research for a long time. It's actually great to meet who actually create that skill today in person. Okay. So back to the conversation between financial knowledge and the retirement readiness. Um, I learned from past study, like, you know, the well-educated individual, which they are most likely to have the character to have a very high level of financial knowledge, most likely to be the planner and are more likely to plan for their life invests, such as retirement, right? So uh, back to what you did for your recent study, um, we want to learn from what you find from the recent study, how Though how you study the digital intervention to improve the financial education program for the Hispanic community. Can you share more with that? Yes. Um, so in the last, I will say in the last five years, I've been uh, engaging, you know, with uh, leveraging digital technologies to really reach hard to reach communities uh, to improve their financial well-being. And then I also work on the space of health. Right. And what I have found, I work in collaboration um, with a community organization called um, Eastmont Community Center with Isaias Hernandez, who is executive director, and then uh, um, Dr. Thames from UCLA, um, where we created this digital program 
that helps to improve financial capability. And we help, uh, and are, our program is linguistically and culturally tailored. It's a six-month program where you get one text message per week. And it just invites you to complete an activity in our platform. And it was a journey, I have to say. You know, we started with the idea. We didn't know how we were going to do it. And then at the end of the day, I mean, it was very rewarding because our program had a significant impact on uh, financial capability. We found that those in uh, in the treatment group, so we evaluate the program as a randomized control trial, and, um, and we find that those in the treatment group were more likely to improve um, their... Um, to improve, yeah, to, to improve their financial well-being by saving uh, for an emergency and by following a budget or a spending plan, which was a huge finding because our program was really tailored to those behaviors, right? And currently, I am uh, working in collaboration with uh, Dr. Angelino Visteza from Spelman College to create a digital program that will really focus on retirement preparedness and that will really speak to the African-American and Hispanic community. So we're going to try it and we're really targeting uh, non-traditional workers. So we're really working, you know, creating a program that we think can make a difference uh, for people who have a higher barrier towards retirement saving, right? If you don't have an employer that offers a retirement saving, it's much difficult, right, to save for retirement, right? And uh, we don't have the results for that digital program. It's in progress. Uh, we really want to find out. I mean, one of our questions there is, you know, it, it has been said a lot, right, that if you you don't save for retirement because you don't have enough income, right? Yeah. But we, we really want to go around that question, right? Is it about income or is it about, you know, lack of knowledge of how retirement saving accounts work, right? And we really see this opportunity to, to understand that better. Mm -hmm. And I, but we don't have any results yet. You know, we, we are in progress. So please stay tuned for our results on that. Yeah, that's very exciting news. And I am very personally very excited to see your next research. So you mentioned this about, you know, for some non-U.S. born Hispanic immigrants, they don't have access to employer-sponsored retirement plans. So now I want to switch our discussion to another interesting topic. How do you see the difference? For example, I recently read a paper from the Retirement Research Center at Boston College. They talk about the Hispanic group actually use diverse approach to save for retirement. For example, instead of saving for the employer-sponsored retirement plan, they use cash or uh, even real estate to fund their future retirement. But on the other hand, uh, for those U.S.-born Hispanics, they're more similar to the other native-born groups here. They went to the college, they find a job with those private companies with retirement plans. So they are more privileged to learn how to save and how to invest this retirement saving, right? So I also heard some wise talk about, you know, for some U.S.-born Hispanic kids, they actually take on the role of translator to get more involved with their family financial decisions to help with their parents because they have the language uh, advantage. So I want to discuss this with you, Dr. Blanco. How do you see this actually? Yeah, I love this question. I mean, I've been thinking about these and actually my husband and I have had conversations around these a lot, right? So when we think about this question, and yeah, Destiny shared the, the article with me, and it was very interesting. I also found it a, a useful article to understand, you know, where the Hispanic community is when it comes to access to, to retirement plans, you know, and, and participating on that, right? 
So when I think about this question, we really want to think about two groups, right? And kind of what you mentioned, right? Mm-hmm. So we have the immigrant Hispanics, like myself, right? I came to the United States to study college, eventually became a U.S. citizen, and um, and my family never planned for retirement. I never hear about it. Uh, my my parents really didn't plan for it. Uh, my husband is also from from Mexico, and uh, and he um, same story, right? And uh, of course, you know, I work in this space, right? And and I and I um, with my children, right? I have a ten year old twins. We talk about retirement saving, right? I mean, they 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 think it's cool and they play along with me. I think they quite don't get it yet, right? But uh, but they say yes, you know, I'll, I'll save for retirement. Uh, but I think you know, I really want to think about two groups. So one is people like me and my husband, right? So who are uh, immigrants, right? And you can save first generation. And then people like my children, right? They are a second generation. They were born in the United States, and and you know, their their the language they feel more comfortable is English, right? Um, so let me start first with that group, right? So yes, I mean, you you mentioned about how children, the second generation, could play a role, you know, helping first generation, right? And and I agree, right? I I think right now uh, we need to put a lot of efforts into. Um, and resources towards financial education in high school and in college, because we want these second generation um, children, right, to really learn about retirement early on, right? Because we all agree, right, that you want to start saving for retirement early on, right, because that makes a huge difference, right? So I think for that group, I'm, I'm less concerned and I'm, I'm hopeful, right, that more financial education in high school for example, many states have passed legislation to make it mandatory. Yeah. I, you know, California has a has a bill that is kind of staggering. I mean, I really hope we can push for it and, and we can really have high school in uh, financial education mandatory in high school. Uh, in college, we got to do better. I mean, I'm thinking maybe we should have financial education as a mandatory class in, in many colleges, right? Yeah. Um, so for, for that generation, I'm, a, I'm, I'm more hopeful, I would say, in that sense. I do see that they can play a role, but I'm a little concerned because I feel like we don't want to give them the responsibility to teach their parents because by the time they will grasp the concept, right, when they are 18 years old, that's too late for their parents, right? I mean, of course, you know, I'm sure we all agree that, you know, it's never too late to save for retirement. But I think, you know, that's why when we think about these two groups, we need to have different strategies, right? And when we want to work with the um, first generation, like myself and my husband, right, uh, we need to do better, right? Because I feel that when you look at the information out there on retirement preparedness, it's complex. I mean, it's not easy for the general audience. Uh, in many cases, you can find things in Spanish. Um, I was just actually talking about this um, last week with my husband. Uh, we are in Los Angeles. Um, we know that there are communities out there where, you know, um, the predominant language is Spanish. And we know many people who will probably feel more comfortable learning about retirement in Spanish, right? I mean, they don't feel as comfortable or proficient in English, right? So we need to do better in that space too if we really want to help um, immigrant families to prepare better for retirement, right? And when they're working, early on when they're working. So I think this is a, a very important question and it really makes us think about, you know, what can we do to help the Hispanic community? And I really see as different strategies, right? And, and yeah, so a great question. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And and you talk about having that that education available in Spanish. And and back to your um, the digital program that you created, and you mentioned it being culturally and linguistically tailored. 
I, I assume that means having it um, be in Spanish and provided in Spanish. Were there other changes that you um, put into that program that were directed at the Hispanic culture? Yeah, I mean, I will touch on this. I did a community-based randomized control trial on uh, retirement preparedness. I, I had an intervention. That one was in person, right? But that's where I kind of started with, with this idea of, of digital programs, actually, because I was there in person, and then people were pulling out their cell phones, right? And then I was like, oh, you're using your cell phone. Uh, okay, that's a, that's a great opportunity. And people thought I was crazy. People were like, no, no, no. People aren't going to like a digital program. They like coming to the classes. And I was like, no, they're too busy. But anyway, so that's another story. Uh, but yeah, so for that intervention I did in the community, one thing I did, which I found from from doing an experiment in Facebook and doing like looking at the research, right, is that what I really wanted is to change the social norm. Like I want to make retirement saving a approachable and attainable for the Hispanic community. And in my programs and my intervention, um, I really try to re to kind of make retirement, you know, um, following social norms, right? Making it that, yes, you know, we can do it, right? That is for us too as well. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. So, I mean, besides that, keeping information simple to the point, uh, really, you know, talking about, you know, family experiences, right? I think really relating to your audience is very important yeah. um, in this space. Okay, great. And so we've touched on providing the education in schools, providing programs in the communities. What about private companies like Pacific Life? What can they do to contribute to bridging the gaps? Yeah, I think, you know, uh, private companies uh, can do a big uh, difference, uh, especially when we think about addressing the gap on financial knowledge and retirement preparedness between Hispanics and whites, right? I think uh, I think they can play a huge role. Uh, so first, um, they can uh, provide content that really speaks to the Latino community that is linguistically and culturally tailored. I think that's a, a key thing, right? Um, I see that as an opportunity where private companies can have the resources to uh, to create more content, to create more material, right? That really speaks to to the Latino Hispanic community, right? Mm -hmm. um, another thing that I see as an opportunity is really the digital space, right? I really see that, you know, taking advantage of, you know, information you can grab in your phone, right? I mean, short videos, you know, text messages, um, you know, little things you can do online to learn more about retirement and how you can prepare for it. I think private companies can can do a lot, right? And I think, you know, for me, those are the big pieces, right? Because that's what I've been working on, right? And I'm I'm hopeful that, you know, true retirement, true improvement, true improving financial knowledge, right? Being able to provide access to information uh, to the Latino community, right? And giving them more access to retirement saving plans. And then this can really make a difference when it comes to the wealth gap. I really see retirement saving as a channel, as a channel to which we can really uh, narrow the wealth gap. And I, I really hope, you know, that um, the stakeholders really put uh, efforts and resources to to go into that direction. Right. Retirement uh, saving has is a huge opportunity. Definitely. Well, this has been a fantastic conversation. Thank you, Dr. Blanco and Chi for for being in the studio today. We'd love to have you back again sometime in the future as well. Thank you so much for the invitation. I, I, I love uh, having uh, the time to talk to you about this important topic. And thank you, Desi, to have me here. Always be here for the web threads. And to the audience, thank you for listening today. 
Feel free to head over to YouTube, Spotify, and Audible and search for The Wave Strength. Then like and subscribe to stay current on the future episodes. We'll see you again soon. This has been another episode of The Wave Strength, presented by Pacific Life. Don't forget to catch us on YouTube and make sure to subscribe. Although this podcast is presented by Pacific Life, the opinions and views expressed are those of the hosts and participants and do not necessarily reflect Pacific Life's views on any of the topics discussed. Unless otherwise noted, Pacific Life is unaffiliated with any other company mentioned. Pacific Life is a product provider. It is not a fiduciary and therefore does not give advice or make recommendations regarding insurance or investment products. Pacific Life, its affiliates, its distributors, and respective representatives do not provide any employer-sponsored qualified plan administrative services or impartial advice about investments and do not act in a fiduciary capacity for any plan. Pacific Life refers to Pacific Life Insurance Company and its affiliates, including Pacific Life and Annuity Company. Insurance products can be issued in all states except New York by Pacific Life Insurance Company or Pacific Life and Annuity Company. In New York, insurance products are only issued by Pacific Life and Annuity Company. Product availability and features may vary by state. Each insurance company is solely responsible for the financial obligations accruing under the products it issues. This podcast was recorded on September 7th, 2023. Thanks for joining us on today's show. We'd love to hear from you. Join the conversation below and leave a comment on your thoughts on what the industry can do better for participants as it pertains to lifetime income solutions. And if you'd like more interesting content, click one of these links over here.